Gary Bolton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks, Phil. It's great to be here. Um, I uh, uh, First of all, I guess I want to cover off on the two things that the Fiber Broadband Association is doing uh, this week, uh, you know, at the week of the Fiber Connect show here in Nashville, which is uh, the research program and the training program that were announced. If you could just quickly hit the high points on those, I think uh, our audience would definitely want to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with the training and certification first. So basically, you know, there's uh, unprecedented level of CapEx coming in to, you know, we're seeing the biggest, um, you know, beginning the biggest investment cycle in history on fiber broadband. And so with all this CapEx, whether it's, you know, we see uh, private investment, we're seeing, you know, the RDOF money coming, we have the 65 billion that's coming on the infrastructure bill. So this basically a generational level of investment on infrastructure. And so when we look at it, we're saying, well, on the, the ability to have the boots on the ground that can deploy it is, can grow about 15% a year at our current rate. So if we're not going to be able to get this money deployed unless we do something about workforce development. So at the beginning of this year, really put a hard focus on what are we really missing um, in the industry to be able to have qualified fiber optic technicians. And so we developed a 144-hour um, hands-on program that we're going to ramp out to community colleges and with veterans and high schools across the nation. And then that's going to go right into our apprenticeship program and we'll have a thousand hours apprenticeship so that when people come out of this program that they will not just have a job but they will have a career that could be actually a generational career. And what's great about this is if you're saying you're exiting from the, the military, you know, so we or can be journalism. able to... Exactly, <laughs> journalism. If you're... But um, what, what's really awesome about this is it's every state. I mean, it's not like you have to you know, say, well, I've got to move to California or Idaho or somewhere to deploy fiber. It's every state, so every community, so you can be able to have this career. And so what the concept is, is that through credentials, you could actually be able to progress in your career. And so we're starting off this fiber optic technician, and we want to be, you know, make sure that when people come out of the program, they know what they're doing. And they're, you know, so the employers know what they get. And so that's why it's really important not only to be this rigor, rigorous program, but also to have the apprenticeship. So, and so we've been working with the Department of Labor. Um, we just, uh, so tomorrow morning, we'll actually having uh, a signing ceremony where we have CR, the national recognition of this program. And so we're really excited about that. And so this is just the beginning of many, um, you know, kind of a progression of career. And that's, you know, just to even mention, like tomorrow we have our Women in Fiber luncheon. And so it's, what's awesome about this is it's not just, you know, who you might think of being in the fiber industry. We want to make sure that we embrace women that can be in this. Um, I was having uh, lunch with Chad Roop, the former RUS administrator, yeah. and his son was in the audience, and his son's autistic. And he's like, and his son's like, this is it. This is what I've been dreaming about. And it was so exciting for me because it's like, here's a segment of the population. You could have super techs. You know, autistic people could just be phenomenal fiber optic technicians. So being able to find people like this, that we're able to not only you know, help them find their calling, but be able to have this lifelong career and career progression. That's a great point, because the neurodiverse type folks have been already, like engineering fields are already waking up to the kind of the otherworldly talent that these folks have, of the ability to focus, to be, some of them are very, 
you know, have a high aptitude for math, and, and they just have a, sometimes an insane patience with really specific tasks if, if they're kind of oriented that way, and that's a great idea, yeah. I, I'm super excited because I just, in Alabama, we have a state school, cyber and engineering school, and the, the target students are kind of autistic um, level, you know, because that is, you know, when you're looking about coding and cybersecurity and yeah. these kind of, and so I'm just like, wow, I didn't even think about this. And it just, it, so it's just exciting to me that we're, you know, trying to pull this together. Um, we're, we're trying to launch it out nationwide and to all of a sudden find some segments that really could benefit. You know, you just think about how you could take someone and really change their life and really provide, you know, where they could excel. Yeah. In a, in, and then, how it can benefit the industry on being able to get all those fiber deployed and that just, you know, the more fiber, the more broadband, the more capabilities for rural America. And it's, it's exciting. You know, I, my students, you know, I teach at the university and my students this spring, one of the studies I had them do was um, a DE&I study. And we found in, you know, looking at here, a community that's on fire, just, you know, everything good's happening, but there's certain zip codes that are being left behind. And so he took all the census data and analyzed it, um, did some triple regression analysis, came down, and it really boiled down to three things. And it, it turned out that if you're paying over 40% of your income towards rent, you don't have a four-year education or advanced education, and you don't have um, access to computers and internet. Well, it sounds to me like all those things come down to, if you don't have broadband, you're gonna be left you know, in this, on the wrong side of the digital divide, even urban areas. And so, um, you know, just the fact that, you know, we can provide careers and be able to, you know, um, get more fiber out is exciting. Yeah. How does, um, how does it look right now, you know, uh, on, the, on the legislative front? Because I know that, that the industry seems to be counting on that to come in, you know, in terms of not only to boost CapEx, but also like a longer term. Uh, investment in fiber. I think you mentioned in your keynote this morning. This is the single largest, you know, gener generational investment in, in uh, broadband infrastructure that this nation's ever had. It's exciting. Well, absolutely. So, I mean, if you look at right now, what's already been appropriated, it's, you know, the $9.2 billion for RDOF, right? And so, as that's, you know, it's going to start coming out. So, that's going to be fueling us right now, plus the other, you know, programs. Matter of fact, you know, California had a $7 billion state surplus that they just unanimously approved for broadband. So there's, I mean, that's one state, $7 billion, right? $6 billion. Sixth largest economy in the world, though. You know, big state. And I have private equity calling me saying, we got money to invest. I had a call from London saying, how do we invest in the U.S.? So there's this, and you see here at the conference, is, you know, the amount of rural electric co-ops, municipalities, um, you know, everybody's here. I had um, tribal areas. We had a tribal chief I was talking to at lunch today at the public officials uh, luncheon. And so there's this incredible thirst to get broadband out there, um, incredible um, thirst to deploy this capital. And so this infrastructure money is going to come. You know, it's, uh, you know, that's what we've been working since, um, well, as I mentioned in my keynote, we started last year with, you know, it sounded crazy, you know, because that was before people used the word trillion, you know, and yeah. when a billion dollars seemed like a ton of money, like a... Un Still sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and we, we did our study and we said, you need a hundred billion dollars. And so, yeah. you know, um, so Clyburn and Klobuchar, you know, they had um, 
you know, some legislation they put out on the um, Accessible Affordable Internet for All Act and, and put 80 billion. And, and so, you know, I mentioned that, that um, you know, the administration called me in April 1st and said, all right, we're going, in the infrastructure package, we're going to put in $100 billion. And, um, and that lined up also with CostQuest's um, analysis. They looked at all the copper cable and said, what, that's what it's going to cost to upgrade that to fiber. And so that, you know, so, you know, what we've been focused on is how do we get bipartisan support, right? Because Republicans are saying how we're going to pay for this. And so we've been working those offices, you know, we're at 65 billion. Um, you know, there's, when I was talking to Senators, um, the Senator this morning, you know, she was a little, you know, you know not sure where it's going to go this week. So we'll see, but it's, I'm pretty confident that it's going to get through one way or the other. Um, by the end of the year, and so it'll take a little while for that. To, but meanwhile, we've got lots of art off money and other money. So, and we'll be ramping up. You know, get the supply chain because I think the other thing is by having some certainty. You know, a lot of visibility on the capex side that helps to really, you know, put in long-range planning and to help shore up the supply chain issues. So the victory really will be, and you know, it's not it's not this set amount or that set amount. It's the it's the, the guarantee that money's coming will uh, will stimulate the investment community to really start, you know, pouring money in as well and finding those, you know, picking out those investments and kind of ramping up and, like you said, kind of getting um, getting things uh, uh, ready to put the fiber in because, yeah, once the money arrives, now you've got the problem. <laughs> like your training program is, is addressing, now you've got the problem of, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> well, exactly. So... I mean, we need lots of runway to be able to be in place to be able to um, take advantage of this. So, you know, if you look at projections, you know, I had um, George Nodder on my Fiber for Breakfast, you know, and, uh, you know, he has done a nice job of projecting out this, and, you know, this level where it already, you know, our 2021 investment in fiber is, you know, outpaces everything, but it's just going up from here. So it's, um, it's pretty exciting. And so the other question you had asked me was on the, um, our research. And so, you know, advocacy is such an important part of what we do. And, you know, my belief is that it's got to be really fact-based. And so really being on, have a really solid foundation of research. And so, uh, you know, I announced this morning like five white papers that we just put out in the last few, you know, a couple today that uh, really trying to build on that so that we can um, be able to have the facts. You know, you see a lot of politics going on in DC, you know, especially on this 100 by 100 versus 100 by 20. And, and that, you know, if you look at it, it makes no sense. It's just all politics. And we are really trying to move things back to what are the, what are the facts and, and have that strongly supported. Well, and, and does it really, I mean, I guess the, I guess that's where I get kind of lost in the weeds with the the requirement, you know, the broadband requirement. Do, do we really need to define what broadband speeds, you know, matter to a point? Or, you know, I guess help me understand why that's such a tipping point in this in this uh, in this tug of war that seems to be happening. Well, I, I think what you see is um, the momentum going, and so, you know, one of the white papers we issued this week is um, the market has spoken. And basically what that just outlines that, you know, what's happening in the market, that basically Wall Street's, you know, rewarding, you know, they're, 
you, you, you go from basically if you have a copper-based network at five times EBITDA to um, valuations at 12 and a half times EBITDA when you deploy fiber. So it's pretty significant on seeing the Wall Street reward. You're seeing um, that on the competition, that when um, you know, fiber is deployed, it's, people will move from cable, they'll move from other technologies, you know, wireless over to fiber. And so we, we kind of outlined that, just you know, all the key indicators that everybody's now got it, that fiber is the answer. And so now what you have is some legacy technologies trying to slow the roll that, you know, so like cable has 67% market share. And they know that if all of a sudden um, operators start offering fiber, they're going to lose subscribers. So here they've been gaining subscribers like crazy up till 2020. And now it's down the down. They're still gaining, but the, the rate is, is sharply going to go down over the next. Right. And so now that's ramping off. And so they need to slow things down so they, they can get more fiber out there to retain their customers. And so the same thing on, you know, the wireless industry kind of surprises me that they're not looking at the law. I mean, they understand that fiber is the best thing for, um, you know, it's like eating your vegetables. You know, it's good for you. But um, <laughs> You wouldn't think they would need convincing. <laughs> but the, the companies that involve, they seem to be a bit duplicitous, though, because it's like sort of like they want to talk about how much they're doing for 5G, and they say, well, what are you doing for 5G infrastructure? Oh, we're deploying fiber. But then they fight it everywhere, you know, for, for just fiber to the home and fiber to the business. They seem to be a little bit slower. I shouldn't say they fight it. Well, they have crazy arguments, and, you know, it's, it's, it's so crazy because this is absolutely what you got to have for 5G, but they're looking at all this federal money. So if there's $65 billion and they can't participate in grabbing that money, so if they don't want someone else building that fiber out for them. And so they're trying to, and, and so, you know, even things like using fixed wireless. I'm less concerned about things like fixed wireless because that's, anybody that deploys fixed wireless, it's a path to fiber. That's what it seems like, yeah, because once you, first you cover, first you get coverage, but you have the fiber close. And then it's just a matter of time before the demand pulls that the rest of the way, right? Well, that's the whole thing is, you know, we have tons of wireless um, operators as part of the Fiber Broadband Association. And what they say is, is their call center lights up with fixed wireless. And they're trying to, you know, quiet down those, you know, customer calls. So they try to get, you know, see you, you can put a fixed wireless on a, you know, um, a grain elevator, you know, beam it over to that neighborhood, capture those customers, and then try to get fiber out as quick as possible. You know, things that really worry me is like, um, you know, low Earth orbit satellite. You've been on the record talking about that quite a bit. Now, I, is it because, it, you know, when, when LEO satellites get out there, do you think, do you think it's because, like, are, are you worried that people are going to want less fiber if, if it goes out, or do you think it just delays the, the whole act of getting, you know, of, of getting the, the money and the community support and the, the rights of way and all those things you have to have to get it into place. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of of the let's cover as many people as quickly as we can camp. I think you are too, but I think, you know, you're, you're I don't want to put words in your mouth. You, you do the talking. Well, so here, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I was out in the wilderness hiking and I wanted to, you know, be able to use, get the internet or something, um, yeah, it'd be great. But the problem is it checks a box and it says, you're served. 
right? And so all this money is coming in to get fiber to, so I mean, think about, like put it in the um, 1930s, right? So if you were, um, you know, why wouldn't I just give you um, a windmill instead of putting, you know, electricity to your house, right? And say, hey, well, you know, a generator, that would be great. You know, I could power up a few light bulbs and stuff like that. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're gonna be relegated to being on the wrong side of that digital divide because it's the critical infrastructure that you're building upon. And so you don't wanna build your house on a weak foundation. You wanna get that fiber in there. And so, you know, if you're, if you're something on the path to fiber, you can be there, but it's, um, you know, it, it's just setting expectations on something where it's just a band-aid. Right, you, you're, you're afraid that like the, the, the top end of satellites capabilities is gonna run out and then it's gonna be maybe twice the work, you know, to convince politicians and everyone who has something to do with funding the process to do it the right way. Well, you gotta do it the, the right way. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really frustrating to, you know, kind of do these Band-Aid things when if you, you put it in the right way, then you're able to be able to, to build on that. You know, it's the, the smart grid modernization, it's 5G. It, you know, for example, um, yesterday, so it seems like that was a long time ago, you know, we had um, a, one of the workshops was, you know, led by the Broadband Forum, and we were debating on, you know, um, Nokia deploying 25 gig pond and Calyx is pitching 50 gig pond. Right, so arguing like about 100 meg or 20 meg yeah. is kind of silly when you know we've already hit the tipping point. Last week's fiber for breakfast were with Omnia, and they were talking about that XGS pond, 10 gig pond, is um, now tipped over to that's the, the majority of what's being shipped today for in the U.S. And so if everybody's shipping 10 gig symmetric pond, why are we talking about 100 by 100?